This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. You'll see these TikToks about like what is um, desirable and what's undesirable in a mate. And you see all kinds of unhealthy things being like, that's what you should want. You should want someone that gets jealous. You should want someone that will fight for you. Um, you should, um, you know, calm relationships are boring relationships, right? I want some spice. I need some energy. I need some whatever, right? And which is why this work is so important because we are, One Love is trying to provide a counter narrative to say that actually, these things are not awesome. These things are not aspirational. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for parents to seek the same in their own lives while striving to be the best versions of themselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, with increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is the One Love Foundation, Healthy Relationships, and Teen Social Media with Abella Oniema. Abella is the Director of Digital Content and Partnerships at the One Love Foundation, the national leader in educating young people about relationship health, which has reached over 100 million young people. Abella believes that love is learned and utilizes One Love's digital platforms and activations with leading brands to provide young people with the tools to avoid abuse and create a world of healthier relationships. When not at One Love, Abella conducts research about the effects gender, sexual orientation, class, race, and social media have on young people's romantic relationships and hookups. She served as VP of Global Strategic Planning at an award-winning PR firm, leveraging data to help clients better understand millennial and Gen Z audiences. She also has over a decade of nonprofit leadership experience, designing programs, leading teams, and growing local and global partnerships for a variety of high-impact social justice-focused organizations. Abella also serves on the board of the Gianco Foundation, an organization dedicated to transforming the health and education outcomes of women and girls in southern Nigeria. She earned her bachelor's degree in political economics from Georgetown University and her master's of social work from the University of Chicago. Abella, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I had to go through all of that because you are doing so much high impact work. I didn't want to, I don't want to leave leave any of it out. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. Thank you. It's um it's a joy when you get to have your your calling be your profession. Just just when they go together. So 
it doesn't feel like work summer most of the time? It it feels like lots of things, but rarely does it feel like work. (laughs) Wow. All right. That's inspirational and aspirational. So tell us a little bit about your road to to being in this mission-driven, I want to say activist, social activist justice space. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. I'm um, one of four kids, uh, children of Nigerian immigrants, and if you ask my parents, they would tell you that they have failed miserably at being parents because none of us are doctors. And so, (laughs) so um, they they every every time we see them, they're like, you know, there's still time. (laughs) Like, Mom, there's absolutely not still oh, time. Oh, there's no. And does she, has she has she seen this this, this resume, this bio? Yeah, it. She's yeah. a failure. She failed. Yeah. There's no sentence in that bio that says, "And then Bella, you know, is now a doctor or a nurse mm. or engineer mm. would be you know the third option." Mm. But, um, but it, it's ironic that they they feel that way because both of my parents, my my, my dad is a doctor, my mom is a nurse, um, and they mm. both worked uh, and, continue, and continue to work in underserved communities and and mm-hmm. do what I would call social impact, you know, medical work. Um, so it's their fault that yeah. my siblings yeah. and okay. I kind of chose some of the roads that we chose, and I think that uh, being of service and um, just choosing something in the world to care about and then mm-hmm. directing your energy in that direction um, has been something that was instilled in us since very young at the at the dinner table. So um, that's mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, globally. And then as I was coming up and thinking about what I wanted to do, I was working at an uh, event marketing firm. So I was doing pretty cool events for like FedEx and AT&T, but on my way to work, I would daydream, you know, ah, this just doesn't feel right. I think I might need to make a move. What was my favorite job ever? What do mm. I think I'm good at? And what do I care about? Those are the three questions I asked myself at like nice. in my early twenties, right? That's like some, wow. some, some, some yeah. good wisdom. That's some deep stuff early in, in human development there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so my favorite job ever was being a day camp counselor. It was my absolute mm. favorite job. And I thought if I could be a professional day camp counselor, how would I do that? So mm. um, got my, ended up getting my social work, my degree in social work, which I never thought I would do. When someone even mm-hmm. suggested it, I thought, I don't look good in polyester. Like that sounds horrible. <laughs> I just thought social workers like wore bad polyester suits and like had manila folders all over their desks and just like, I think they did. I think they did at one point. <laughs> they might have. It's, yeah, you cer- yeah. Certainly there's, we need a rebrand. Social workers need a yes. rebrand. Yes. Um, but I did my homework and and talked to people that had the degree and you can do so much with it. And so mm-hmm. that's what I got. And, that, and I went for the intention of working with young women. I wanted to just raise armies of strong girls and then um, just started working with kids globally and, and the rest is history. Hmm. I love that. I Okay, so one comment about uh, the Masters of Social Work degree. You're so right. So for anyone listening and who is, has kids who are looking or yourselves are looking for a change, when people come to me and you know they, they ask me about being a psychologist and they're trying to decide where in the mental health and social service system, mm-hmm. I always lead people to consider a master's in social work. Because really? to me, it is one of the broadest... There's so many yes. different, so many different 
ways one can work and impact from yes. the clinical like office setting as a yep. therapist to, mm -hmm. as we know, case management to mm -hmm. social justice, program mm -hmm. development, program mm -hmm. management. Anyway, so I just think. Oh, I love that you do that. such a wonderful degree. Yeah, I went from social work, ew, to it's my strongest identity. I'm a social worker. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's nice. the best. It's the absolute best. If anyone is thinking about it and is hearing yeah. my voice, run, don't walk. Yes, and if and I can everyone I can see her face and she's smiling and glowing, so <laughs> it, it's 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 aligned. Okay, so dinner table, you have these parents who are doing the work, talking about the work, high impact, and so what I'm wondering is, you know, we're raised we're we're raised by our our our, our parents, our community, our cultural expectations. Mm -hmm. And there's, I'm going to be this, right? There's like, I'm going to be this. And it might be, I'm going to mm -hmm. be this just like my mom or dad. And so I'm wondering, when did it coalesce for you that it was like, this is your path, not just the path that you're supposed to be on because this is what you've seen. This is the, how you've been nurtured. Yeah. Um, for me, it was earlier than my older brothers. Like they both kind of went the MCAT route. Like they really, we, they mm -hmm. really thought that they were going to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, it was high school that I, I think I was like, oh, I don't like doing any of the things that I know I will need to do to be a doctor. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe that's not for me. And then I stumbled upon um, auditions for the play. I, got, I didn't make the basketball team that year. It was devastating. And again, immigrant household, Nigerian parents, like you couldn't just do nothing. So I thought, mm -hmm. oh, what am I going to, I don't need to make basketball, what am I going to do? And I saw this flyer for auditions for the play. I was like, all right, what about this? And I fell in love. I fell in love with the stage. I fell in love with speaking. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was when I was like, oh, my talents are are, are somewhere else. And, mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I just didn't look back after that. You seem like someone who just sort of steps into something and owns it. Is that, is that, does that come natural to you or does it also take some work? I appreciate that. I, I think it is, I think it does come natural to me. I, I, I'm not afraid to be the first and I'm not afraid to be the only, which mm. is a, a good mentality to have when you are a little black girl growing up in an all white suburb, because you mm -hmm. often are the first and or the only. So um, whether that's nature or nurture, I don't know, but um, I'm, I'm definitely not afraid in those moments. And, um, you know, I, I had parents who were like, if I, they really encouraged curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, and so if I was, I remember asking my dad, you know, when my, my oldest brother was going through the college process, which they had never done that. They, had, they were educated, but they weren't United States educated, you know, so mm -hmm. we were all kind of going through it together and. I was like, oh, dad, what if he wanted to go to college abroad? Like, what if he wanted to go to London or something? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Let's look into it. Let's research it, right? And so we did. And then and I ended up going on a like a pre-college summer program in London, like the next summer, just because my dad was like, well, let's you know research it. If you can research it and figure it out, then maybe you could do something. So that curiosity, um, the like, if you don't know something, there's no shame in not knowing something, you know, just mm -hmm. diving in. Um, the world is available to you. The world is for you to explore. Like I think um, mm -hmm. that certainly was something that I grew up with. I'm really, yeah. really grateful for it. And as as um, 
as a child of immigrants, I mean, the mentality, right? The immigrant mentality, you're watching your parents just like go for it, yeah. right? Like they're just going for it, yeah. going to a whole new place and just stepping in and learning new cultures and customs. And probably your folks had to get, you know, I mean, figure out the medical system. Like, like there's new things you have to do when you come from one country to another country. So um, that's a w- wonderful modeling for you. Yeah. Yeah, and I, uh, I also think really interesting because you said MCATs. Your brothers both took the MCATs, and uh, you also said none of them were doctors. So they they everyone got like they got close, <laughs> they up got on close. Them, and they all like, no, we're gonna do something <laughs> a little different. Yeah, and uh, yeah, okay. I think that's probably why it's so painful for my parents because like <laughs> it was in our hands. We were so we could taste it. So close, so close. So. As I was um, preparing for this conversation and looking into uh, One Love Foundation, it is an unbelievable organization yeah. with such impact and professionalism, mm. and the the staff that you know the, the general staff, the localized staff. I mean, it was it's really impressive, mm-hmm. and we're gonna I, we're gonna dive into it, um, but first. Uh, you know, we need to start with the tragedy. I mean, th- this this foundation, which has helped over a hundred million young people, started with an awful tragedy. Mm-hmm. So, if you can please share that with everyone. Yes, a young woman by the name of Yarly Love was murdered by her ex boyfriend about three weeks before she was supposed to graduate from UVA. Yardley was a lacrosse player. She was a kind, um, funny, amazing, incredible young woman. And her life was cut too short. And when her family was sitting through the trial, it was one of these kind of big cases that had made the news. And so there's a lot of attention on it. And there was a trial. And as her family was sitting in that trial, friends of Yardley, people who knew her were testifying. And it was clear that they each saw something. They each held a piece, but they didn't know what they were seeing or they weren't believing what they were seeing or they weren't processing. They weren't talking to each other about it. They weren't talking to Yardley. And so the family had this idea that if we could just teach young people the signs of an unhealthy relationship, the signs of a healthy relationship, maybe what happened to our daughter doesn't happen doesn't have to happen to other families other kids and so they started the one love foundation and it started as um you know i i think when you start something as a family you think well we hope this does some good you know they they produced a video called escalation that um mirrored pretty pretty well yardley's story you know it was this couple in college and it starts really really nicely and then things start start to go badly. And they thought, okay, we can show a bunch of students escalation and then have a conversation about it. Like that, that could be, that could be something that could be helpful. And it went from this family's dream to, as you said, this national organization where we now have a library of films that don't just mirror Yardley's story, but mirror the, the, the countless other stories. There is not a single demographic. There is not a single socioeconomic status, um, region of the country, region of your community that domestic violence, intimate partner violence has not touched. One in three women, one in three men, one in two trans and non-binary individuals who experience intimate partner violence in their lifetime. And so um, our stories 
And the communities that One Lover reaches have to extend beyond just Yardley's story. Now it's become bigger than her and, um, and really trying to impact all kinds of families all over the country, all over the world, really, where we definitely have international presence too, but certainly our focus is the United States and being in as many schools and communities as possible. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about these signs independently, um, I, I just imagine listening to all the testimony and then this manipulation popping up and this control situation mm-hmm. popping up mm-hmm. and grabbing a phone and throwing it mm-hmm. or um, um, tracking, um, dis- discrediting friendships, helping making people feel insecure. And all of these in and of themselves, you're like, ugh, that's not good. But it, you know, you could see how without the knowledge, someone's yeah. like, oh, I'm kind of worried or this isn't working out. I'm kind of concerned about. But it becomes so clear as you lay out on your website all that you know that what what makes a healthy relationship what makes an unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. it becomes so clear when people are given the information yes yeah well you know no one wants to believe that that this could happen to them or mm-hmm. we have a image of what um unhealthy or abusive relationships look like and they look like a lifetime movie you know, mm-hmm. they look um, like someone laying hands on you, someone, a creepy person stalking you um, in a way that's super obvious and ominous. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like lifetime in our mm-hmm. minds. Mm-hmm. And in reality, yes, for some people it gets to that place, but it doesn't start mm-hmm. there. No, It does not start there. It starts with loveliness. You know, mm-hmm. if you're dating someone, it starts, no one on the first date punches you in the face. You wouldn't have a second date. Right. So it right. starts, you know, like a dream. It starts really good. And, 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 fr- and frankly, you know, we talk about the cycle of abuse. It doesn't, it doesn't just like uh, a one-way street of it starts good, then it starts getting a little worse and a little worse and a little worse. And a little, it cycles, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's um, the relationships are are good and then there's something happens whatever that is something happens and there is an incident whether that is um physical violence emotional violence um verbal abuse whatever it is and then there's um a period of kind of um uh what is the word repairing that harm and then it gets right. good again right and then the cycle right. continues and the honeymoon right the there's honeymoon. the honeymoon thank you phase. yes the honeymoon yes, phase yes. uh mm-hmm. and then the cycle continues so it's tricky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Yardley's family even says they doubt Yardley would have acknowledged that she was in an unhealthy relationship um, mm-hmm. because it's really, mm-hmm. really hard to take on that um, that identity because it's not an identity. Mm-hmm. This is something that is happening to you. It is not who you are. Um, so right. that is one reason because One Love works with young people and we want to be accessible to young people, we um talk about unhealthy relationships more than we talk about abuse. Or we sh- I should say we use the term unhealthy more than mm-hmm. we use the term abuse because it's just an easier place to access it when really talking is. to someone, whether it's a young right. person or not, right? We can all, we, one of the things, one, one love is we say we all do unhealthy things, which is true. 
Mm-hmm. We do. We all mm-hmm. do unhealthy things. Um, and so that's just an easier way to get in. Um, and then as uh, as we have that person engaged, then there's more and more information mm-hmm. and um, they can mm-hmm. see where on the spectrum of, of things they, they fall. And I, and I like that because um, unhealthy, I, as you said, continuum. There, there is a continuum of unhealthy, whereas when you hear abuse, it seems very black and white. Yep. And like, no, no, that's not me. I'm not being abused. Yes. I mean, you know, he or she is, you know, not treating me all that great sometimes, but that I'm not being abused. Correct. And, and I also imagine, you know, again, how we were raised, who we were raised by, what we've seen in our um, uh, family of origin and our um, extended kin around us is that's what normalizes us as well. So there are some people... I mean, and, and this comes in all shapes and sizes in my experience. It, some people have been raised around these sorts of unhealthy behaviors, so they actually seem quite typical or normal, for lack of a better word. And other people have not experienced any of these uh, behaviors, and they don't know what to do with it because they're in a relationship with someone they really care about mm-hmm. and someone who does mm-hmm. apologize and say, I'm sorry, and it's just because I love you. It's because mm-hmm. I love you so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I just get crazy sometime, and it makes me do stuff. And so I'm wondering, in your experience of working with so many young people, you know, what are the different dynamics like you said, like there isn't one. It's like it's it's everyone can find themselves in these sorts of situations. Yeah. So first of all, you just uh, named one of our videos. It is called Because I Love You. Uh, one uh, of the things that I think One Love does really well is that we have short, short, short little things, eight second type of animations all the way up to 40 minute films. And Because I Love You is a 60 second PSA that we made. And it it goes through that because I love you, I'm doing this or you're Mm -hmm. making me do this, right? And we'll have workshops on it. What other phrases do you hear um, in addition because I love you? If you loved me, you would. X, Y, Z or whatever, right? Right. Um, But that that phrase gets weaponized. Um, Another Mm -hmm. thing that you said is about how you know some people grew up seeing certain behaviors. I would argue that we all did. Whether you mm-hmm. grew up in a family that violence was happening, whether you grew up in a community where violence was happening, we all live in a society where unhealthy behaviors are glamorized. If you watch mm-hmm. television, if you listen to music, if you consume any type of pop culture, you are growing up being exposed to unhealthy behaviors being glamorized. Oh, um, this person um, just wants to be with me all the time. Isn't that so sweet? You know, mm-hmm. or... Or I don't want a man that isn't jealous, right? You'll see these TikToks about like what is um, desirable and what's undesirable in a mate. And you see all kinds of unhealthy things being like, that's what you should want. You should want someone that gets jealous. You should want someone that will fight for you. Um, You should, um, you know, calm relationships are boring relationships, right? I want some spice. I need some energy. I need some whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So all of these things. So it doesn't matter what your family of origin or your community is like. We as a society Mm -hmm. are growing up, and which is why this work is so important because we are One Love is trying to provide a counter narrative to say that actually these things are not awesome. These things are not aspirational. We have something called the 10 signs of a healthy relationship and 10 signs of an unhealthy relationship. And it, when you look at the unhealthy signs, you're really like, oh, wow. Wow, mm-hmm. wow, wow, wow. I thought that those right. things were 
markers of someone's attraction or interest in me. And now I'm realizing, yeah, they're not. Mm -hmm. I did watch um, some of the shorts and they're powerful and powerful in a few ways because now when we bring in social media, so there are the videos of you're hearing, you're hearing the voices behind a closed door Mm -hmm. of, of an interaction, Mm -hmm. which is escalating and intense. And, um, one assumes it is a, a live interaction and then the door opens and you see it's through text. Yeah. And man, has this complicated our social lives and our relationship lives with, um, with, with social media, with text, with DMing, because so much happens in this like silence. Yeah. Um, which is even more silent than a more typical uh, abusive, isolating situation, which is happening in real time. Like it just adds this whole other layer. And you guys are educating young people that it's whether text or a voice in person, it's the same thing. Yeah. Again, anyone hearing my voice, unhealthy behaviors, abuse is not just someone laying hands on you. It is the words that they use. It is the way they make you feel. And the words that they used are not always verbal. They are sometimes through your phone. They are sometimes via text. In fact, they are oftentimes via text because if that is the main way you communicate, and then that is the way, mm-hmm. the main way someone will be unhealthy towards you. So you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. We just, um, last year, we had a campaign called Unhealthy Connections. We have um, four amazing PSAs. Again, all of, or I didn't say this, I don't know why I said it again, but all of this stuff is uh, available on our website for free, joinonelove.org. Mm-hmm. You can access um, all of our videos, all of our discussion guides, toolkits, all of it. Um, but that Unhealthy Connections campaign was designed to say that even if these behaviors, or just because these behaviors happen on your phone does not mean that they don't hurt, does not mean mm-hmm. that they're not unhealthy. They are, mm-hmm. right? So for example, as you were saying, um, someone blowing up your phone, text after text after text, escalating, just like that is something that we would call intensity. And it mm-hmm. can it just makes you feel like you are on edge all the time. And mm-hmm. because our phones are like this third arm, that person knows that they can access you. So sometimes we re- we released all these videos and we got so much feedback from the public, right? Many mm-hmm. people like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yes, that's exactly how it happens. And other people though would say things like, well, just turn off your phone. Just block them. Well, if who turns off their phone? You know, like, so j- to get rid of one person, you're supposed to right. completely cut yourself off from all social interaction, right? right? right. And so it's in, it is insidious. And I don't, I, I want people to know that if they are experiencing abuse or unhealthy relationships over their phone, for the people that are in their support network to know that it is not as easy as just turn off your phone or just block them, right? Mm-hmm. So we're experiencing, mm-hmm. um, via our phones and via social media, all kinds of unhealthy behaviors. Like I said, blowing up a phone, but also uh, device sharing. Um, I'm not sure when Mm -hmm. this airs, but there's an article today in the New York Times about how location, not device sharing, location sharing. Location sharing is like the new I love you. It's a form of intimacy. And Yes. But even for young people, it's like, it's just like par for the course. Like, yeah, I share my location with tons of people, you know? Um, Right. And that can be, again, weaponized, right? Because now I know where you right. are. 
And why are you with these people? You shouldn't be hanging out with them. Um, you should. You said you'd be home by now. You're not home, right? So this mm-hmm. person can know where you are. Um, another right. thing that we kind of, this is not your physical location, but your location on where on social media. So what you like, what you're looking at, who's liking your stuff, right? That's an also another way that someone can kind of track you and follow you. Why did you like that person's pictures? Take that photo of yourself down. Why is this person friending mm. you? So you? You should unfriend this person, right? Like you need to ask me permission before you do X, Y, Z thing. Um, it is- Getting it tightness is, in my chest, hearing you say that, right? Like again, it's like, it makes me, it's like, it's very angst provoking to have Absolutely. that coming at you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you said it, it is lonely. And mm-hmm. for parents, it's terrifying because you can't see it. Mm-hmm. If your kid comes home with a bruise around their neck or on their arm, you can see that. Mm-hmm. You can't see um, the, the person, um, you know, blowing up their phone or telling them who they can and cannot follow. So mm-hmm. then you have to start looking for other types of behaviors, right? Changes in behavior, changes in mm-hmm. mood, um, not hanging out with friends that they used to hang out with, not enjoying activities that they used to enjoy, um, mm-hmm. things like that, right? You're starting to look for other markers. But also, mm-hmm. it's important to be in conversation with your kid as well. A major thing I have learned in my um, my personal experience as being a parent of now um, young adults and also with all of the clients I've worked with uh, is over the years is I think parenthood is like a lifelong incremental experience of powerlessness. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like learning about the that's reality a, of powerlessness. <laughs> yeah, right? And as your kids get older and you're not holding them or feeding them and and you don't know all of their friends or yeah. their friends' parents mm. and, it, and then they have devices and you don't know mm. what's going on there and it just goes and goes and goes. So... As you, t- as you brought up, parents seeing the signs or not seeing the signs, what can parents do when they're concerned about this? I mean, I know I was, I was going to go this opposite, like what do people do and then what do the parents do? But I think it's, this is such a symbiotic situation. Of yeah. course, our listeners are interested in both. So let's just start there. What, you know, you're a, you're a worried parent. How, what do you do? Yes. So let's first talk to the parents who aren't worried yet. Um, because okay. that's that's an important stage. Talk to mm-hmm. your kid about their friendships and their relationships before you start thinking there's something to be nervous about. So um, at One Love, we start around, we feel good starting around fourth grade, fifth grade with our content. And we're talking about friendship, right? So we're like, oh, so, you know, you're friends with so-and-so. How do they make you feel? Or what kind of things do you like about them? Or I noticed that so-and-so did X. How did that make you feel? Um, really getting them to develop the muscle of one, knowing that their feelings matter and knowing that they get to um, make decisions based on how people make them feel. Because Mm -hmm. we will ignore how someone makes us feel and stay with them 
and allow certain behaviors because we have not been taught to trust our gut. We have not been taught to trust how what our bodies are telling us. So mm-hmm. um, we start start asking your kids about their friendships. Start asking your kids about their their dating relationships at, when they look good, right? Um, and and don't say things like, um, "Oh my gosh, you and your partner are just so cute. I love." that you found someone. I love that you're happy. So good. And you might, what's wrong with that? That's great, right? That's me being a supportive mm-hmm. parent. And But it, yeah, a better way to be like, so you and uh, your partner, how are things going? Mm. Right? That gives them permission to tell you, it's great. I love it. I'm having the best time. Or for them to say, uh, you know, it's good. And then you might say, "Any does anything ever come up that makes you curious or makes you wonder or makes you a little nervous? You know, like offering up the space for your child to speak into or to describe their experience to you. Because if you label mm-hmm. that relationship as the best thing or you're so excited about it, that might make them hesitant to come to you when things are bad because they're going to think mm-hmm. they're disappointing you or they're, they're, they're going to think that you won't believe them. Especially if this kid is like some shining, shiny thing. Who would because right. and probably that person saying, Well, no one would believe you. Mm-hmm. And right. and then right. your kid's like, Yeah, probably. My parents are obsessed with them. So right. they probably wouldn't believe me. Right. So we really wanna be asking our children about their relationships, romantic or otherwise, and letting them fill in the blanks and letting them tell us how they are experiencing that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then we also mm-hmm. want to be careful about you know how, how we prioritize relationship. There are some parents that for their kid to be friends with a certain type of friend group or for their kid to be in a relationship, it's like very important to their personal ego structure, right? As a parent, like, mm-hmm. oh, I really want my friends, mm-hmm. my kid to be friends with so-and-so or, or whatever it is. So we have to be mindful, again, of how we are um, speaking into or, or setting explicit or implicit expectations for our kids' social lives. So those are things that we can do before we yeah. start getting nervous. And with that, it reminds me of um, something I learned in either on the site or one of the videos is one of the points about um, – it's really common for people in relationship to not speak out with their friends, family, parents, because they don't want their partner to be judged. Yeah. And so it creates this bind that they're not, something's going on, but they're, they're in a protective mode and they don't want them or their partner to be judged. And this is, so all of this speaks to I guess now we're going into the worry part when parents are worried. It's like, how do we, in the face of concern, continue to create this environment where we can be open and receptive so mm-hmm. um, our young adult or any a, a child of any age uh, mm-hmm. uh, can come to us? Yeah. So my answer isn't a great one because mm-hmm. I think that um, – there's this idea that there are some magic string of words you can say, some uh, course of action you can set into motion that will get your kid to extricate themselves from the relationship. And the only thing that will cause your child to leave that relationship is when they are ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And that sucks. That's not a good answer. No, it's reality, um, right? So I appreciate reality. that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, the powerlessness. And the powerlessness. Hence, hence of the, the powerlessness. Parent. Yes. Hence the powerlessness. And it's terrifying because it's not like, oh, you're powerless against them hanging out with someone that you just don't prefer. You know, right. you're powerless against them hanging out with someone that you think might be harmful to them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of the things that we talk about at One Love are um, when you're talking about the your concern to talk about behaviors, not the partner, for exactly the reason mm-hmm. that you brought up, Dan, which is mm-hmm. whether it makes sense or not, someone that's in an unhealthy relationship is protective of that partner. There is mm-hmm. some loyalty. There is some connection there. And pushed too far, they oftentimes will choose the partner over the parent, the friend, whoever, right? And so mm-hmm. we want to talk about the behaviors. We don't want to say things like, can't you see that your, your partner is trash? Can't you see that they're awful? Can't you see that you deserve better? Blah, 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 right? That's what we want to say. And maybe that's what is true, mm-hmm. but that's not what we mm-hmm. can say. And so we're saying, you know, mm-hmm. hey, I noticed that you are really fearful to leave your phone like that. Whenever they text, you feel, it seems like you seem really nervous and you have to text them right away. Curious about Mm -hmm. that. How does that make you feel? What, what's going on there? Mm. Or I noticed that again, back to that list of things. Hey, I noticed that um, if it were me, you're not, you're not doing the play again. You're not going, you're not auditioning for the play this, this season or whatever. Oh, yeah, no, whatever. You know, like, uh, but you, you seem to light up. You're so great on the stage. There's a lot, a lot where that's where a lot of your friends are. Mm-hmm. What's going on with that? What's what's behind that decision? Mm-hmm. Right? We're asking open ended questions. Again, right. This may land on some ears. Like, this is this is terrible advice. Like, where, when is she going to talk about, like, <laughs> this is when you get a key, you put the lock on the door, and you, you yeah, know, you start. It doesn't start, work. It doesn't no. work. It doesn't work. And so what we need to do is make sure that we're providing a context in which our children feel that they can talk to us, that they can come to us. We can be saying things like, hey, I, you're in this relationship and, and you can name that you're worried. I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. worried. I just see, I see things in you that I haven't seen before. And I'm Mm -hmm. curious about that. And whenever Mm -hmm. you are ready to talk to me, I am here to talk to you. I am on Mm -hmm. your side. Um, And if you're not, if you don't want to talk to me, there's auntie this, there's coach that, there's right, like invoke your village. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have Mm -hmm. a village, there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline, there's One Love, you know, there there are resources available to you. You don't have Mm -hmm. to be the person that your kid talks to. They just need to talk to someone. Right. Um, but they need to know that that is an option for them. Mm-hmm. And you might have to watch yeah. some things that make you uncomfortable until they're ready to do so. Yeah, two things are coming to mind from what you just said. One is the importance of asking questions where you truly are curious as opposed to having an agenda. Because yeah. our kids read that. But like, if you really come in with curiosity... And you really bring in that energy of, I just want to know your experience to help yeah. me understand. Yeah. Um, I think that usually has a better shot of landing or opening a door. Mm-hmm. And secondly, something you said about changing the locks, I'm thinking like, I always call this the Romeo and Juliet effect. It's like, hey, everyone, I know that's an old play, but 
we know what happens when people are told they cannot be together. Mm -hmm. And so like the whole idea of force, it almost always backfires. Yeah. And, and, and that is our natural tendency as parents is to protect, right? That sort of, um, adaptive evolutionary, um, you know, we need to protect our species. We need to protect mm -hmm, our loved mm -hmm. ones, our kin. Mm -hmm. It just, it doesn't unfortunately work with force the vast majority of the time. So it is about being thoughtful and managing our worry. And as I like what you said is being transparent as well, being authentic. Yes. Uh, that uh, I, I'm concerned. So I just, checking in with you to see yeah because you what know you think about this we want to be seen i mm -hmm. ah man i remember that i wanted it so desperately you know just i wanted to, someone to notice that i was upset i wanted someone to notice that things were hard right and and maybe i didn't necessarily want to talk about it but i wanted someone to just notice and so mm -hmm. please by no means um feel that you can't say anything that you can't express mm -hmm. concern um, because mm -hmm. I think that feels good. That feels loving. Um, yes. But just to to set an expectation that uh, there is there is nothing you can say that will make someone do something that they are not ready to do. And mm -hmm. in, in playing that card makes you very close to the unhealthy person they have in their life. They already have one person who's controlling their behavior. Mm, right. Yes. You know? What, yeah, but that's what a really you good point. What you can do and what you should do is start thinking about safety plans. And so there's a, there's a safety plan, which is how can we keep you as safe as possible while you are in this relationship? Mm -hmm. And then there's a breakup plan when the person's ready to leave. How do we keep you as safe as possible at point of breakup and after? Um, in an abusive mm -hmm. relationship, the breakup time is the most dangerous time in the relationship. From a, might be an obvious reason the person, the partner, is losing control, and so they mm -hmm. might escalate their behavior. So there's mm -hmm. a safety plan and there's a breakup plan. And safety plans are just things like, okay, maybe I can't put you in a tower, but can I set up some you know rules as a parent? When you guys hang out, I want you to hang out at the house, or I want you to hang out in groups. Um, should anything go wrong? Again, this is what you're talking about. I am concerned. Um, I just want to talk to you about, should you ever find yourself in a situation where you are nervous, you can call me. I do not care what time of day or night it is. Um, you can call, you know, who are the people, who are the, in your network, who, again, the uncles, the coaches, the neighbors, whoever else, that you have their number and you can call. What is the... Um, maybe safety phrase we're going to use. So if this person is like monitoring your phone mm -hmm. or whatever, what do we have a safety phrase that we can use where someone knows that there's, that we need to respond. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe we're leaving a key outside the house somewhere so that there's never an issue with you being able to get in the home or we're leaving a key mm -hmm. with a friend. And so if, if your partner takes your keys away, the friend has a set of car keys or a set of house keys mm -hmm. or something like that, right? What are the things that we can do to make you as safe as possible in this mm -hmm. relationship? And you do that with your kid, right? Mm -hmm. Again, you're, you do that in partnership with your kid. 
as you're having conversations. And I am not envisioning that they're like, oh my gosh, thank you, mother, father, for being, right, for loving right. me so much that we're having this conversation. I don't, I am not suggesting that it is an easy conversation, right. but I am suggesting that it is a necessary one. And then, you know, at point of breakup, again, I think we have this image that if your child finds themselves in an unhealthy relationship, it is because they are dating the monster from across the tracks. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case with Yardley. Right. She was dating someone right. in her friend circle. Mm-hmm. So if you find that your kid is um, involved with someone that they know, maybe they're in the same classes, they go to the same school, you know? So once the breakup happens, maybe even part of the safety plan, do we need to switch classes? Do we need mm-hmm. to notify teachers, safety officers, whomever, right? Like how do we invite our village in to wrap around our child and make sure that they're safe. And when the breakup mm-hmm. happens, you know, like how are we making sure that um, if there's an after-school job that that they know um, that we have maybe changed up um, our schedule a little bit so that we're not, you know, as easily mm-hmm. um, able to be kind of the routine is a little bit different than what the partner was mm-hmm. used to. Maybe we're changing passwords, et cetera. How are we keeping ourselves as safe as possible at point of breakup as well? And I, I'm just, I'm hearing partnership, right? You said partnership. And to me, that also, uh, I think of holding off judgment. And if we can be in partnership without judgment, we have a much better chance of our friend, our loved one, our child working with us yes. because they don't have to battle against their identity and save face. I mean, because this is a tough situation regardless, but that they don't feel they have to protect themselves from their loved ones as yeah. well. Yeah. And did, uh, it's not easy. No. It's not easy. No. There's one thing I want to hit before we get to our final parent footprint moment question here. And that is one of the main pieces of advice one love gives is to trust your gut, trust your instincts. And I mm-hmm. think earlier you said your intuition. And, you know, this say a little bit about how important that is in this process of understanding a healthy versus unhealthy relationship. It is critically important because there is everything telling us how important it is to be in a relationship. Um, it is a, 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 an important marker of development. Um, there's the Disney fairy tale model. Like everything that we are, t- are told is you should find a partner. Mm-hmm. And so when you finally do that yeah. and things start feeling weird. One, we don't talk about it. We don't mm-hmm. talk about, um, oh, this felt off to me. They grabbed my arm. I just held it a little too tight. Or they were disrespectful to me in front of our friends. Like they said something rude and it just didn't sit right with me. But we don't talk about that stuff. So you just think, oh, ah, I'll write it off. Maybe that's, it was just a one-off or it's just me. It's just in my head. You don't check to ask yourself, well, that didn't sit right with me. Maybe mm-hmm. I should say something now, right? Right. Communicate my needs, communicate boundaries, communicate um, what's okay and what's not okay. We don't teach each other to do that. Mm-hmm. 
And so there are lots of ways that our bodies and our brains are telling us this doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Right. And we are wired to push past that. Right. And, you know, like, I think there's a lot of conversation in parent circles about, oh, you know, do you make your kid hug grandma if they don't want to hug grandma, right? Like, do you, or right. do you make right. your kid right. hang right. out with so-and-so if they don't want to? So there, that is something that we're all navigating. And, but, right. but you can see how those little behaviors then amount to us right. not trusting um, our bodies, not trusting our guts. And when we are in unhealthy relationships, if we are in the quiet of ourselves and if we are being in right. the honesty of ourselves, we will say that we felt things early on and we let right. them go. Right. And we want to empower our children, our nieces and nephews, all of our loved ones to trust themselves and to to trust that they know what's good for them and what's yeah. not good for them. Yeah. Um, and it's a process. It, it is a process, but it's something that can be talked about over and over. Like, how did you feel there? What does your gut say? What does yeah. your intuition say, right? To use those words yes. because we're, deve- we're, we're honoring them and we're validating those concepts. Yes. And when they feel a feeling, where do you feel it? Do you feel mm-hmm. it in your stomach? Do you feel it in your arms? Do you feel it in your nose? You know, like where do you feel it? Um, yeah. All of those things are wildly important. Okay, Abella, it's time for the parent footprint moment question. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or an awareness of your own parents, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your life, children, or those you love? Yeah. So this one has been coming online over maybe the past two years. Well, since the pandemic, I would say. Um, My parents are older and being separated from them and them being isolated has been a challenge. And just thinking about like, wow, they're not going to be around forever And I have found myself, my dad came to visit, I live in Brooklyn, my dad came to visit Mm -hmm. New York and he hadn't been, he hasn't been here in years. And last time he was here though, we did this great walk across Central Park. So I constructed a day in which we would do that same walk and Mm -hmm. did not tell him, but I was like, he Mm -hmm. will love this. Obviously he loved Mm -hmm. it last time, he'll love it this time. And so we had to do something on the Upper East Side and um, my subway's on the West Side. So I was like, great, Dad, we're going to cut across Central Park to get to the subway on the West Side. And he said, what, what, what? And I go, yeah, we're going we're gonna to walk across the park <laughs> to get to the subway. He's like, how long is that going to take? And mm. I just lost it. I was like, oh. So you don't want to hang out with your daughter? You don't want to enjoy this beautiful day? Do you see this park? It's so lush. Like you don't want to just have a nice stroll? And I just, I was so snippy and so um, so short with him. And as we were walking and I was giving him the silent treatment, I was checking in with myself. And mm-hmm. I was like, you're not irritated. You're hurt and you're scared. Mm-hmm. You're hurt because... When he said, oh, how long is that going to take? You took that as like, he doesn't want to spend time with me. Mm -hmm. And you're scared. And that is the primary emotion because years ago, he skipped through the park. 
And now he's indicating that it's less about he doesn't want to. It's more like, can he? And that's terrifying. Mortality. Yes. Hmm. So I have learned over the past couple years that my fear comes out as snippiness. Mm. And that I really need to like get curious when I'm when I am like having a frustrated or snippy reaction I need to um get curious I need to slow down and be like is there fear there and in a hundred percent of the time there is yeah that is solid awareness <laughs> I'm trying solid, man I am solid trying awareness. solid <laughs> oh man I love that Yes, so that's your indicator, right? We all have our indicator lights, our, our, our behaviors that usually are representative of something else. Something and else. We are, and we're human, and we are going to respond, but it's that, hmm, I like that. Get curious. What's yeah. going on with me right What's now? And then really getting to the core of that. And then nice. what a beautiful moment for me to say to my dad, hey, I'm scared. Yes, you know, yeah. is this like, is it you can't do it? You don't want to do it? Like, it just makes yeah. me scared. And then then we get to have a real conversation, a really yeah. beautiful, vulnerable human conversation. Yeah. But we don't have it because I'm too busy being like, well, why are you? Last time you wanted to do it and you don't want to spend time <laughs> And fine, then we'll just walk in silence. You know, like, exactly. that, what a missed opportunity. Yes, yes. Great pivot. Great pivot. Yeah. Well, thank you for not only sharing your story with us, but for this really powerful and life-saving work that you and your team are doing at the One Love Foundation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I I referenced um, the 10 signs of a healthy relationship and 10 signs of an unhealthy. They are right on our homepage. So again, joinonelove.org. Under unhealthy, you're going to see things like, um, you know, manipulation and volatility and intensity and all that. But something I do want to say is that you will not find jealousy and you will not find anger. And that is weird when we go into student workshops because jealousy is not awesome and anger is not great. So why aren't those signs? Mm-hmm. And we talk about, again, as we've been talking about kind of these past few minutes, these are feelings and emotions that are just going to come up. It is what you do mm-hmm. with that anger. It is what you do with that jealousy. And so when we're mm-hmm. watching um, TikTok videos and they are telling you that jealousy is good and that if someone is jealous, it will then manifest in these behaviors, those behaviors are unhealthy. Jealousy itself yes. is not bad. Anger is not bad, but is what we do with those things. And so I would encourage anyone um, to go on our website and find these signs and see, you know, uh, how they track to the relationships and the friendships that you're in. And especially Mm -hmm. look at the healthy signs. It's things like comfortable pace and equality and fun are we yes. having fun, right? We're so wrapped up. Like, yeah. I got the partnership. I got the brass ring. And you're holding it. And if you were honest with yourself, you would say that this is not fun. But I'm yes. going to hold on to it for dear life yeah. because this is what I've been told yeah. that I should have. And it's probably yeah. me. I'm probably the reason why things aren't fun. Like, I, I just need to get it together. I just need to figure it out. And then it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, we- the website, everyone, uh, just validating and confirming what Abella just said. Uh, as I went through it, I mean, there are there's so many uh, straightforward, um, aesthetic 
and user-friendly resources in multiple mediums to get the point across. And just by being on that homepage for literally five minutes, you have a ton of information and then you can do go on deep, deep, deep yeah. dives yeah. and get a lot more information. So please, everyone, please go there. Please let anyone you know who will benefit about understanding healthy versus unhealthy relationships. Go to the One Love Foundation. Please, a starter might be just to have them listen to this conversation mm -hmm. um, so they can hear Abella talk about it in the way that you do so eloquently. Um, and this is this is critical. And um, for Yardley, I mean, her her legacy lives on and helps so many other people uh, go what from a unhealthy to healthy. Yeah, huge. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for your five star reviews. Thanks for being a part of our community. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become, and ask yourself the guiding question: What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.